Well, one of the things my generation was famous for, or maybe infamous for, is the your mama joke. So it would go like this, your mama is so, and then you fill in the, don't fill in the blank, okay? Because that would be offensive. We're here in church, all right? But it would go, your mama is so whatever, and then you, you'd, you'd, you'd give the, the cut down. Now, this generation, like my kids' generation, they just kind of cut off half of it, and they just say, your mom. Your mom what? Uh, I don't know, your mom. My kids say it to me. I'm like, that's your grandmother. Why, 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 are you, why are you telling me your mom? That makes, that makes no sense. It's just lazy, right? They, they just cut off the joke and just say, your mom. Now, the your mama joke was fighting words, right, guys? I mean, if it was a good one, if it was really low, it, it, was, it was fighting words. And why is that? Why, why, when someone made fun of our moms, were we ready to come to blows? It, it, it's because, and I can say this because I'm a, I'm a son, it's because there's a, there's a special place like that a mom has in the heart of a son where when your mom is maligned or made fun, like you, you feel like you've got to come to her honor, defend her honor and protect her and go to battle for her. There, there's, a, there's a special place in the hearts of sons for their moms. And we're going to see that today, that, that there's a king in the Bible who, <coughs> excuse me, whose mom meant so much to him that he took what she taught him, like all the advice that she gave him and turned it into a poem. Now, when your mom gives you advice, do you, do you like it or do you hate it? I don't, I don't know about you, but especially as an adult, I, I'm not really like excited, you know, or thrilled when my mom tries to give me some advice. What about your mother-in-law? Now, don't roll your eyes too hard, okay? You might hurt your neck, all right? But, but, but today... A, a mama, uh, a, a mother-in-law, a future mother-in-law, if you will, is going to give us some um, advice, specifically advice she gave her son, the king, about what produces a godly woman and then what the overflow of a godly woman, a woman who fears the Lord. What, is, what does that look like and why he should pursue that in a spouse? So if you got your Bible, turn with me to Proverbs chapter 31. Proverbs 31. Now, many Christian women have heard this quoted to them out of context, like it's ammunition, but like all scripture, when you read it in context, and that's what we do here, we, we study the scripture, we preach through the Bible, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and here's what you're going to find, and it's true with Proverbs 31 as well, that, that when you study it in context, you're going to find there's life and depth and riches and ultimately Proverbs 31 is going to point all of us, men and women, to Christ. Now, there's a tension here when you study Proverbs 31, because some try to study it from this very practical checklist side. I'm going to do better, I'm going to try harder, and I'm going to do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, and if I can do all those things, then I can be a godly woman. There's kind of one side of the tension. The other side of the tension is people and scholars throughout church history have over-spiritualized this to where you kind of lose some of the godly character and ideals that we find here in the scripture. And so what, what I think we'll find though is as we study it in context, there's, there's a little bit of both happening here. There, there's some character and some ideals here that we should honor and venerate and pursue with the power of the Holy Spirit indwelling us. But at the exact same time, this list of things in this godly woman are going to be almost overwhelming to the point where you're going to say, I can't do this. And it's going to point us to Christ. 
Now, impressions of the Proverbs 30 woman, Proverbs 31 woman vary among Christians. To some, she seems like a paragon of womanhood. To others, like a bygone ideal that was for like yesteryear or something. Some are going to look to her for inspiration. Others avoid her out of intimidation. But whatever we may think of her, this much is definitely true. The author of this poem, King Lemuel, has taken his mother's advice and what she has taught him and wants us to see this woman, his mother, the queen mother, is going to want us to see this woman as a hero, as a heroine. This ancient poem written thousands of years ago still today breaks modern stereotypes of women as wisdom is actually portrayed as a woman of valor here in Proverbs chapter 31. Bruce Walt argues that Proverbs 31 belongs to Israel's heroic poetry characterized by recounting this hero's mighty deeds with terms you're going to see as we get to the end here with terms and verbs that are used in military exploits. This godly wife and mother, writes Erica Moore, is a spiritual heir of Israel's ancient heroes. Or in the words of Robert Alter, a kind of domestic warrior. She is, in other words, a hero of the faith. From beginning to end, the Proverbs 31 woman is a victor on the feminine field of war like Wonder Woman. Appreciate this picture, ladies. And we appreciate this picture because... You know this, you're in a battle every day. You are in a battle every day. And it may feel like the battle is against the expectations that are put on you or your task list or or maybe even your husband or your kids, but that is not who the battle is against. No, the battle is actually against a dragon, that ancient serpent who's after your soul, your husband's soul, and your kid's soul. Make no mistake, you are in a battle every day that I'm sure you are fully aware of. But what you might not get and what you might not have seen in the frustrations of that battle is your battle is actually against the dragon who wants to steal your joy and ruin your life. And so today, as I encourage you most every week, we are going to battle right now. And ladies, specifically today, the battle is about the one that you wage each and every day. So, so, so let's dive in. And men, there's going to be a pop quiz later that you're going to have to do at lunch. And so if I were you, I would lean in so that you don't look foolish later. All right? All right, let's go. Let's dive in. Proverbs 31. We're going to battle this morning for our souls and for the souls of our ladies and our families. Verse one through nine in Proverbs 31, there's some warnings from King Lemuel's mama. She tells her son, don't run after alcohol. Don't run after women. You've got power as the king, but use your power and influence to defend the oppressed, to defend the poor, to defend the helpless. And now we pick it up in verse 10. You can follow along in our app, the City Church Lubbock. You can download it in your app store. The verses will be on the screen as well. But let's dive in, starting here in verse 10. Who can find a virtuous and capable wife? She is more precious than rubies. Now, some scholars will say this word for wife can also be translated woman. So the the, the question here is who can basically find this, this noble, godly woman? 
She's more precious than rubies. And, and some translators will say that this is noble character. Your translation might say that noble character, which, which, which speaks to this, that, that everything we're about to read is not something you can microwave in a day or in a week or in a month or in a year. As my friend, Pastor Brandon says, no, we're going for the brisket, which you cook low and slow, right? That, that takes a while. Character is not something you microwave. This is going to be a life of godliness and the overflow of that. And so as we read the rest of Proverbs 31, we're not talking about something uh, like some sort of checklist that you can do tomorrow in your normal eight to five, right? No, no, no. This is character that is developed over a lifetime. Verse 11, her husband can trust her and she will greatly enrich his life. She brings him good, not harm all the days of her life, her husband can trust her. They have equal but different roles. You're going to find this all the way through Proverbs 31. They have different roles, but they are equal. And he knows and believes they're on the same team. And so he, he trusts her. He's not intimidated by her strength and what she brings to the table and all the things that she does for their family. She's not intimidated. He's not intimidated by that. No, he celebrates that and praises that. And he trusts her, recognizing we're on the same team. And so he trusts her. <coughs> Excuse me. She enriches his life, it says. Paul says in 1 Corinthians that man wasn't made for woman. Woman was made for men, like, like men need godly women in their lives. Husbands need godly wives in their lives that enrich and cause flourishing. She brings life in to others. If she's married, she, she brings life and breathes life into her husband through enriching him, not, not belittling him. People flourish in this woman's presence. If she's married, her husband flourishes because of her Influence and attitude. Verse 13, she finds wool and flax and busily spins it. She's like a merchant ship bringing her food from afar. She gets up before dawn to prepare breakfast for her household and, and plan the day's work for her servant girls. She goes to inspect a field and buys it. With her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She's energetic and a strong, hard worker. She makes her, sure her dealings are profitable. Her lamp burns late into the night. Her hands are busy spinning thread, her fingers twisting Fiber. So both in her planning to acquire this property, this field, and using her previous profits, some translations say the fruit of her hands, like the money out of her own earnings, like that she has made. She, she starts a new agricultural business. She plants a vineyard. So, so she's not just this domesticated, housebound woman. She's entrepreneurial and she's risk-taking. It kind of makes you wonder, like, where did Christians get this idea that a Christian woman is supposed to stay home and that's all she's supposed to do? That, that's not a faithful reading of Proverbs 31. Where, where do we ever get that idea? Is that a fear and control? No, no, this, this makes it clear. This woman takes care of her home, but man, she's got, all, she's got like all these businesses she's running outside the home. Verse 20, she extends a helping hand to the poor and opens her harm, arms to the needy. The wordplay here from verses 13 through 19 now to 20 
shows this contrast between her hands that close around tools for production, but they open wide to share her rewards and her earnings with the poor. She's a hard worker, but she's generous. Verse 21, she has no fear of winter for her household, for everyone has warm clothes. Verse 22, she makes her own bedspreads. Her family is warm because she hasn't been lazy. She hasn't procrastinated. She's prepared for what's ahead. The end of verse 22 says this, for she dresses in fine linen and purple gowns. Now this is, this is interesting because this is the only verse where she looks after herself and that's important. She, she's putting the needs of others before her own, but she's also not neglecting herself. She dresses up in fine linen and purple gowns. She's clothed in these materials and in a dye purple that were expensive and a sign of honor. One scholar said, this shows this woman is not austere, meaning she isn't severe or strict in her attitude or in appearance. She isn't ascetic, which means this, having an extremely plain and simple lifestyle or appearance, unadorned or morally strict in appearance. She knows it's, it's okay to dress up and go out for a night on the town. And I know First Peter 3, so I get it. First Peter 3, don't, don't be concerned about the outward beauty of fancy hairstyles, expensive jewelry, beautiful clothes. You should clothe yourselves instead with the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. All that is true. But Peter says, don't be concerned with it. There's nothing wrong with these things in and of themselves, but we're not to make these things primary or priority. There are plenty of verses in Song of Solomon and throughout Proverbs that praise outward beauty in fact, Naomi tells Ruth in Ruth chapter three, and Ruth, remember, is like the paragon and ideal of what a faithful servant of God looks like as a woman. And Naomi tells Ruth, this, this godly woman tells another godly woman, wash and perfume yourself and put on your best clothes in order that she might attract Boaz, this man that she desires, to Herself. So, so Proverbs and Song of Solomon talk about the use of perfumes and dressing up. The point here is that there's nothing wrong with having nice things, nice clothes, dressing up, caring about your appearance, looking attractive even. The problem is when these secondary things become primary, when they get a hold of your hearts. And we're gonna see very soon here at the end of Proverbs 31, what has this woman's heart and why she's able to enjoy these nice things without them becoming primary in her life. Verse 23, let's keep going. Her husband is well known at the city gates where he sits with the other civic leaders. In this family, because the husband is occupied in community leadership, this woman runs the show, literally. And, and, and it shows that each family's circumstances are different, requiring a husband and wife to do different things in different seasons. Now, many scholars have made the joke that the husband only appears once in Proverbs 31. And that sounds about right to me because I got a call from my kid's school and they're like, hey, we need you to come pick up Coben. He's, he's sick. And and I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. What's the name of the school again? And where is it located? I, I, I get this, right? right? I, I, I get this. 
The, di- the dentist assistant called me the other day and was like, hey, we need to reschedule this, this dentist appointment for Levi from this time to this day and this time. Is that going to work? And I just sat there in silence and, and, and she sat there in silence. And then she said, you know what? Uh, we'll just call Darby. And I said, you know what? That's probably a good idea. That's probably a good and wise idea. This, this makes a lot of sense to me, like in our, our, our family. Darby, she runs the show and that's okay. Verse 24, she makes belted linen garments and sashes to sell the merchants. This woman has planted, she takes care of her home, she's planted a vineyard, and now she's got this business where she's selling these garments and things that she has made with her own hands. She is running multiple businesses here. Verse 25, she is clothed with strength and dignity and she laughs without fear of the future. It's in verse 25 where we get these descriptions of a woman's valor and strength, like she's a soldier. These verbs have military overtones in them. She isn't anxious or envious. So so where does this, where does this strength, where does this confidence come from? We're going to find out here in just a little bit. What, what, What causes this woman to be so secure and confident that that she laughs at the future. She laughs at her enemies. She laughs at her scoffers. Where, where does this kind of strength and confidence and security come from? Verse 26, when she speaks, her words are wise and she gives instructions with kindness. We, we, we see this woman here as the embodiment of wisdom. And the two parts of chapter 31 here, one through nine and now 10 through the end, They're linked together here by women teachers, this woman and this mama who's given her son some advice, these these women teachers and examples who help and influence men in positions of responsibility. And so throughout Proverbs, women have been teaching alongside men, fulfilling the vision of Genesis 1 and 2, that men and women together represent the image of God, and it's men and women together that fulfill the mandate of God to rule and to reign. Now, these instructions here that she gives in verse 26, this word in Hebrew means wisdom that comes from the word of God. She's not out there speaking her own opinions and thoughts and ideas. When she speaks, she communicates spiritual truth, godly wisdom from the word. And so she influences her friends, her husband, society, her kids with the word of God. She knows it. It's become a part of who she is. And so as she speaks, as she instructs other people, she speaks the word of God. Not her own thoughts, not her own feelings. She speaks the word. Her words are spiritual, they're gracious, they're kind, they're helpful, as opposed to malicious gossip that that tears people down or discourages someone. No, as she speaks, she builds up She doesn't tear down. Verse 27, she carefully watches everything in her household and suffers nothing from laziness. With with everything that she has going on, she she doesn't neglect her family. There's so many things this woman can do and put her hands to, but she understands her family is her priority as it should be for any man or husband, father. There's a lot of things we can do. There's a lot of things she can do. She understands her family 
is the priority. Verse 28. And so watch what happens. Her children stand and bless her. Her husband praises her. Verse 29, there are many virtuous and capable women in the world, but you surpass them all. Her husband is an encouragement to her. He doesn't belittle her. He's not harsh with her. He praises her. He encourages her. And her children, it says, stand up, look back, and bless her. Now, let's just get real. This has got to mean that they are older now and can do this, right? Because no toddler is standing up and blessing their mom, right? I mean, and they're no... Middle school, I can vouch for that. No, high school kid is like, you know what? I'm just so thankful for all the ways and the things that you, all the ways you serve me and all the things that you do for me and, and the ways that you correct me and, and all the things that you've taught. I mean, no child is doing that, right? This is, they're surely, they're, they're much older now and they are standing and looking back and blessing their mom. Verse 30. Charm is deceptive and beauty does not last. But a woman who fears the Lord, there it is. A woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. Reward her for all she's done. Let her deeds publicly declare her praise. Now, Israel's pagan neighbors commonly celebrated women for their erotic allure. And though scripture celebrates such allure within the covenant of marriage, as we've already talked about and as we've already seen, that this would have sounded strange to like a pagan Canaanite. Charm is deceitful, deceptive, beauty is fleeting, it's vain. A woman who fears the Lord, that, that's what we're praying. That, that would have sounded very weird and strange to Israel's pagan neighbors. But for the godly woman, so much more important than beauty or charm or even her work is the fear of God, which shapes all that this woman is. It's the source of overflow that has led to everything that she does, everything that we've read, because she fears God. She has no fear of the future. And so verse 30 forms the foundation of all that this woman is and does. Everything that we've read about this woman flows it's the overflow of her fear of God. It's the most important aspect of who she is. And it's ultimately why she is praiseworthy, not because of what she does, but because of who she fears. This woman has character. She's a hard worker. She's generous, she's successful, she's wise, she, she's a good leader, she's elegant, charming, she's a blessing to her husband, to her kids, to her community. Why? Because she fears God. How? How is she able to do all of this? Because she fears God. She isn't afraid, she isn't anxious, she's not insecure, because she fears God. You see, women, there's a, a wisdom that your family, that your kids, that your friends, that your associates will need that can only come from a heart who laughs at the future because it fears the Lord. Pastor said about these verses, a woman who fears the Lord will not run away from God to satisfy her longings and relieve her anxieties. She will wait for the Lord. She will hope in God. She will stay close to the heart of God and trust in his promises. The prospect of departing into the way of sin will be too fearful to pursue and the benefits of abiding in the shadow of the Almighty too glorious to forsake. 
So what does this, what does this mean for us? Men, what does this mean for us? Church, what does it mean for us as a, a Christian community? Well, number one, I think it means that we've got to stop with this whole idea that women must stay home or they must go to work or they must do both. We've got to get rid of this idea. My my wife, Darby, personally for us, has done each of these things in different seasons of our families. Right now, she just had one of her best months as a personal trainer, and she's working towards becoming one of the very few women that are NASM, National Academy of Sports Medicine, master trainer certified in our country and in the state of Texas. She's a hard worker, and she takes care of our family. She does both. There's been seasons where she's done one or the other. Right now, she's doing both. We, we gotta stop with this idea that, that women don't lead or speak and their families are in society. Proverbs 31 blows that completely out of the water. Darby was the one that had the idea to start this church. And if you've been here for very long, you've heard that story. She came and told me one day, hey, I think you need to plant this church. And, and I didn't wanna do it at first. But it was through her influence and the vision that she cast to me that God changed my heart about planting this church. It was through her godly example and influence that that any of us are here right now this morning. We gotta stop with this idea that women have to dress or look a certain way. That this girl, this woman wears utilitarian garments to work in and she gets her hands dirty, but at the exact same time, she has charm. She dresses up in expensive, elegant clothes for a night out. And then secondly, we've got to start encouraging and praising godly women who serve God and others by bringing life and blessing to society, to our culture, to husbands, to kids, to the oppressed, The the husband in this passage praises and encourages his wife. He builds her up. He doesn't belittle her. I learned this week that Jewish husbands, many of them still recite this poem every Sabbath Eve in praise of their wives, not as a standard to live up to, but in praise of their godly wives. And so the assignment today, men, boys, is to identify something here in Proverbs 31 and praise your wife, your mom, your sister, whatever it might be. Whatever whatever women you find yourself at lunch or dinner with today, I hope you've been paying attention. If not, better go home and read, study, so that you don't look foolish. Because the assignment today, the challenge for you today, men, is to find something in here that you can praise your wife, your mom, your sister, whatever, whoever it is. This, this queen mother urges her son, the king, to be responsible with his authority and with his, with his power. In verses one through nine, she's telling him to, to not, not to serve himself, but, but to use his power, his authority for those who can't help themselves, who have nothing to give in return. And then, he, and then she says this, in, in, starting in verse 10, and now go find a woman like that 
who uses her authority, her power, her influence, her resource. Go, go find a woman that, that doesn't use those or let those end on herself, but, but that uses her power, her authority, her, her resources, her influence to bless other people. You see, all throughout the Proverbs, female figures have represented both wisdom and folly, foolishness. Wisdom and foolishness. And so the question, ladies, is how are you using your authority, your power, your influence, your resources? Are you using them to, to bless, to give life, to enrich life? Or to tear down? Paul Coptic in his commentary on Proverbs said this, moreover, the wife of noble character speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction, and she follows up these words with actions. This woman proves that there are those, <coughs> excuse me, there are those whose strength brings good, not harm to their men or to men in general. But can anyone, he says, live up to this standard? Can, can anyone live up to this standard? You see, as normal human beings, <clears throat> many of us are more likely to cringe when this seemingly perfect woman is set before us as an example. Who can find her? The poem says. Not everyone has good business sense or the opportunities to do so. Uh, many don't have the, the gifts and creativity that we find here in Proverbs 31. I, I don't know if I've ever met anyone, man or woman, that is both a night person and a morning person. If the Proverbs 31 woman only stirs up guilt that, that even on your best day, you lack the ability to meet the standard of your calling, then, then what help is she to women striving to honor God? That's the question that Paul's asking. What, what help is she if you can't find her? Well, many scholars have pointed out that this passage is talking about different seasons of this woman's life, not necessarily her daily routine. And still others have pointed out that, that all of these things just, just point to a certain spirit and overflow of a woman who fears the Lord. And I think, I think both of those things are true. But then finally, I think here's what's ultimately true. Ultimately, the Proverbs 31 woman helps women in a similar way that the law helps all of us. It's a standard that none of us can live up to, that Paul said is a tutor that points us to Christ. Because just like any man would study the scripture about what a godly man looks like and say, uh, that's not me. And I don't know if it ever could be me. The Proverbs 31 woman does that for women. That's not me. I don't even know if that could ever be me on my best day. And in that sense, in that way, Paul said, the law is a tutor that leads you to Christ. Because the, the answer here is to, to who can find her is you, you can't. But ladies, as this law in Proverbs 31 points you to Christ, Paul would say, while you can't do it, Christ in you 
is your hope of glory. That Christ in you is your hope, not in you doing better or trying harder, but Christ in you is your hope. And you're going to need Christ in you because you are in a battle. This poet describes this woman as gathering spoil, laughing triumphantly at her enemy and girding her loins like a soldier would do for battle. So. So why portray her, again, why portray her as a warrior, as a soldier? Because she is in fact in a war. On the edge of Eden, God spoke to the serpent and he said this in Genesis three, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. There is a eternal war that has been happening between the dragon, that ancient serpent, and the daughters of Eve. And this war rivals any other war. It's why one author writes, in their care for their households, wise women are on the front lines of God's holy war. And I'm sure you ladies, you have felt the daily frustrations of that war. You may have thought that war was against expectations, the things you have to do. It may have, you, may, you may have thought that that war was against your husband or maybe, maybe even your kids. The scripture says that that war that you face every day is actually against a dragon who wants to steal your joy and take you out. And so all of a sudden our scriptures Heroines include names like Deborah and Esther, Sarah and Rebecca, Rachel and Leah, Ruth, Hannah and Abigail. And as you love your husbands, as you raise your children, as you build a household, as you go to work, you do so in the fear of the Lord. You go to war against the dragon with Christ and you. You know, the angel told Mary, you're gonna have this son, the, the Holy Spirit's gonna come upon you. You're gonna have this child that's gonna be the son of God. And the angel says to Mary, but, but don't be afraid, God is with you. God is with you. And, and we've talked about this here many times, but, but that, that phrase, God is with you, is a word picture. And, and it's God holding your hand through it all. And so when, when the angel tells Mary, hey, you're, you're gonna be pregnant, you're gonna have this child, he's gonna be the son of God, he's gonna save his people from their, their sins. Can, can you imagine the, the overwhelming weight of that? You're talking about mom guilt and insecurity? Raising the son of God? The angel says to Mary, God's gonna be with you. It's almost like God was 
setting Mary up for a, the battle, like, like giving her a heads up, like the battle's coming and, and you're going to go to go to battle as the culture is going to turn on you for thinking that you got pregnant out of wedlock. And you're going to go to battle against your own insecurity as you raise the, the, the son of God. And, and you're going to go to battle as you watch your son be betrayed, get beaten, spit on, mocked, crucified, laid in a tomb. You're gonna watch all, you're gonna see all of it, Mary. And so God ahead of time, but before the battle really begins, says, I'm gonna be with you. I'm gonna gonna hold your hand through all of it, through all the insecurity, through all the pain, through all the suffering. I'm gonna hold your hand, Mary, through it all. You're, You're headed into a battle. can't do it on your own. And so Christ in you is your hope of glory. Not in doing better, not in trying harder, but as you seek the Lord, as you fear the Lord, that's the beginning of wisdom, Proverbs says. Then there's a transformation that begins to take place. There's a character, remember verse 10? There's a character that begins to develop out of the overflow of your fear of God and walking with Christ hand in hand through it all. Ladies, you're in a battle and I'm sure that's the understatement of the century to you. but you need to recognize who your battle's against. It's against an ancient serpent, that dragon. And so flee, run to Christ, who is your hope. Would you pray with me? This morning, I think there's some people here, just heads bowed, eyes closed. Just, just I think there's some people here who, who've maybe thought or believed that they could do better or try harder their way into the kingdom of God, being, being right with God. And, and, and this morning, I, I want you to hear Paul say in Romans 3 that the law was given, that every mouth might be stopped and silenced and held accountable before God, that, that you do not measure up to God's standard of holiness. You have fallen short. You have broken God's law. You don't measure up. You are not good enough to have a relationship with God and to go to heaven when you die and you never will be. And so Paul says the law silences us from any boast before a holy God. And then it leads us to Christ because we realize and understand, I can't save myself. I need someone outside of me to come and save me and to rescue me from my sin. And so the law leads me to a savior, to a rescuer in Christ who died for me on a cross, paying the fine for my sin, for breaking God's law. Three days later, rose from the grave, canceling and defeating your sin and death. And the scripture says, if you will run to Christ, if you will flee to him, give your life to Jesus, your sin can be forgiven. You can be made right with God. If that's you this morning, say yes to Jesus. Give your life to Jesus. Jump on our app, fill out our connect form and let us know that you're committing your life to Christ today. But here's what we wanna do as we close. I wanna ask all the ladies in the room to stand up. Single, married, young, old, whatever. If you're comfortable, I just wanna invite you to stand. And we wanna pray a prayer of blessing 
over you as you go to battle this next week. Single, married, young and old. Guys in the room, if you'll take a hand and just kind of point it in every direction, the women vastly outnumber us in this room. We're gonna have to deal with that somehow later. But if you will raise a hand and let's pray over these ladies a prayer of blessing. God, we know that our culture is fighting to tell these women where their identity should be found, what they should do, what they should say, what they should look like, where they should find their rest and where they should find their hope. But God, I pray that today through the power of the Holy Spirit, you would strengthen these women, strengthen them with the fear of God so that they're not afraid of anything else. Fill them with a confidence and with a strength that's only found in Christ. God, Give a spirit of rest in each one of their hearts and minds right now. A spirit of rest that can only be found in Christ. Fill them with hope. Not with hope in themselves or hope in a husband or or with hope in a financial situation or whatever. God, fill them with hope in Christ. And God, let each one know that you are with them right now. And that as they walk out these doors into another week where they go to battle, where they go to war against the dragon, God, fill them with strength and hope and love and mercy as they go to war this week against that dragon for their soul, for their husband's soul, for their kids' souls. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. And now would you all stand as we worship the Lord this morning.